It's a great time to get a great deal on a new car when you get approved for an auto loan from PenFed. Our powered by true car rates are as low as 1.39% APR on new vehicles. Finance for a longer term to lower your monthly bill. Plus, take up to 60 days to schedule your first payment. Join PenFed and together we'll keep you moving forward. Anyone can apply. Visit PenFed.org slash auto or call 1-800-247-5626. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Me, 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 but also you. <laughs> the Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous Walrus, the Bulbous Walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl ran afoul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to the Gifts of Glory podcast, where we celebrate and promote men and women of God that use their talents, gifts, passions, and desires to honor and glorify our God. And all that we do with Gifts of Glory, from our improv teams, well-versed comedy and matrimony, to Pure Fest, to my own personal teaching, coaching, acting, and speaking, it's all done with the hashtag OGHG, Our Gifts, His Glory. Thanks so much for joining us today. I'm your host, Dave Ebert, and we've got a great story for you here today. Our guest is Rob Decker, founder of Kingdom Fit, that's faith in training, Kingdom Fit, and he has this amazing testimony. He's been telling his story all over the world, which is actually God's story, and he's even been featured on CBN, the Christian Broadcasting Network, and I don't want to spoil anything. I want you uh, to hear his story in his own words, and I believe you'll be blessed by it. But first, uh, before we get to the interview with Rob Decker, it's almost time for Pure Fest. September 28th is right around the corner, but we want to give the folks in Chicagoland a great taste of Pure Fest, and that's happening next Friday night, August 16th, and we're really looking forward to Comedy Night at CPC, held at my home church, Cross Point Church, also the home of Pure Fest, uh, coming up September 28th again. But Friday, August 16th, Comedy Night at CPC is going to feature two fun comedy teams, Matrimony, which is my wife Bobby and I, performing some short-form improv together, and then the team Wellverse Comedy will take the stage. It's going to be clean fun for the whole family. Tickets are available on Eventbrite, or you, and you can find them by searching Comedy Night at CPC, or go to ComedyNight.PureFest.org. Comedy Night, one word, Comedy Night purefest.org and here's a big bonus for you if you make the suggested donation to come to comedy night at cpc which is just fifteen dollars we're also going to give you a ticket to attend pure fest in september if you have any questions email me dave at purefest.org dave at purefest.org for more information and uh, comedy night at cpc again 7 30 p.m friday august 16th crosspoint church in lockport illinois and now let's get to our interview with the incredible Rob Decker. Find out more about him at robdeckerspeaks.com. And Rob Decker's next, right here on the Gifts of Glory podcast. Welcome back to the Gifts of Glory podcast. I'm Dave Ebert, and I'm now joined remotely by a man with an incredible story, an incredible story of faith, of survival, and of God just working incredible miracles. Uh, his name is Rob Decker. You can find out more after the podcast at robdeckerspeaks.com. 
but before uh, I rant too long and, and go on too long, I want to bring him on. Rob, welcome to the podcast. What's up, my man? How are you? I'm doing well, and uh, it's, it's a pleasure to get to speak to you. We've uh, chatted back and forth a few times through uh, social media, but now actually getting to hear a voice and kind of uh, really connect in a better way other than social media. It's a, it's, it's a pleasure, and it's an honor to have you on. Well, thank you, and, and thank you for taking this time to, uh, to, to connect with me and, and to share my story. I really appreciate it, man. It means a lot to me. Absolutely. And uh, to just kind of give everyone an idea, um, uh, right now you're working on building a, a fitness ministry. Uh, tell us Correct. first about your current ministry and uh, what it looks like and, and what you kind of hope to get out of it. Uh, so I just recently created a gym out of my house um, called Kingdom Fit. And the fit stands for faith and training. Um, so for me, where Kingdom Fit comes from is I'm going to have to like tell my story at this point. So sure. Um, so for me, uh, 11, 12 years ago, uh, it was 2007. Uh, I attempted suicide. I jumped headfirst out of a window. I, 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 I tried to kill myself by breaking my neck by jumping out of this window. And I ended up um, hitting an awning and it changed my fall. And I shattered my left arm, broke my right, right wrist, collapsed my lung, and I broke my back. Mm. And, um, and I was told, you know, by the doctors that I was never going to walk again. And, um, you know, the Lord showed up in, in, in the hospital and, and he spoke some really powerful stuff over me. Uh, I mean, the story is much deeper, but I'll, I'll talk more about the key and fit part of it. And so my whole process and in, in, in healing. So there was a, a connection between my faith, which I was very new at. So before I jumped out of the window, I was roughly two months from uh, accepting the Lord into my life. And, um, you know, shortly after I jumped back into the world, got into worldly things, got myself into a situation and attempted suicide and, uh, fitness had always been a part of my life. And what I found through my process of, uh, building up my body again, I was also building up my relationship with God or building up my spirit. And so, um, they kind of ran hand in hand for a long time. And, and I remember God, you know, speaking to me and, and, and telling me that I was going to go out into this world and I was going to heal people through fitness. And, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm broken and, and shattered and I have all this titanium in my body and I'm highly medicated and all this kind of stuff. But that's kind of, that's what he said to me. And that's what I was going to do. Um, shortly after I had broken my back, I attended a, a youth um, winter camp. And I remember fasting for about three days at that camp. And I was asking the Lord, you know, if there's something there for me at the, the camp, I'm so ready to receive. Now, I know I'm there to, to serve the youth. Um, but if you have something for me, I, you know, I, I would love, I'd love to receive it. And, and um, man, it was a crazy experience. So when we were at this, this winter camp, I remember the pa pastor was just preaching, prophesying over these kids. And um, I had some stuff going on in my life as far as like rehabilitation. And, and I was in a little bit of legal trouble too, mm -hmm. that all caught up to me after I had jumped out of the window and the pastor was just speaking things only God knew in that room. I mean, no one else knew what was going on. And, um, he had spoken to my life and he said, uh, you will be given a kingdom. You have a, a spirit of Joseph. 
and you will be given a kingdom. And, um, and it shook mm. me really hard because um, if you know the story of Joseph, he was accused of rape and me jumping out of the window, um, what really led to that moment uh, outside of my childhood and, and everything that, that stacked on top of that was I was being accused of rape and attempted mm. murder. And so in that moment when he made that statement and me knowing exactly who Joseph was and what he got accused of, um, it just shook my world. And so we fast forward to closer to the opening of Kingdom Fit. And, and I remember I was driving and I asked the Lord, like, I know that I'm supposed to create this facility for people to come and to, to, to get to know you through fitness. Um, what am I going to name it, Lord? And he, he, took me back to that day when I had got prophesied over and he goes, you know, you know, we've named it. And I was like, mm. Oh, King kingdom fit. And, and the fit, you know, faith and training. Um, it all just kind of, it, it just all kind of worked together. So ultimately what I've created in my home, cause that's where it started. This is very new. Um, mm-hmm. is basically a fitness church. You know, it's a place where people can come, you know, I've been in fitness for, I'm 41 now. Um, I started, you know, training when I was 15. My first gym job was at 16. So I've been in the fitness industry my whole life and as a personal trainer for a big chunk of that. And as a personal trainer, what happens is you become every, you know, your, your client's friend, their family, their, their therapist, um, you know, your little, you wear many hats um, within those sessions. And I, I realized that, you know, we live in a time and a day where, people just need more individual one-on-one attention. Mm. Um, I, I believe that social media has really turned. There's great qualities of social media. I mean, you and I would have never connected if it wasn't for that, but right. you know, but it also has that flip side to it, right? Um, people are, are, are holding back from communicating or are not doing it very well anymore. Um, you know, I think, the the internet world and, and social media can become this facade and this 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 imaginary place and and it's really impacting uh, the spirits and the emotions of people and so I believe that to be able to get somebody in front of me and to really start to dig um, and using my personal experience everything that I've been delivered from everything that I've been through um, you know and fitness um, you know let's get you in we're going to work out but you know, let's, let's dig a little bit deeper, you know, let's, uh, let's, um, let's talk about what, what makes you depressed or, or, or why you're overweight or, you know, because there's always a connection and it usually comes from childhood. Um, mm-hmm. And these were things that were exposed to me as I grew in Christ. And so um, the more he revealed about me, the more I understood on how to help other people. And what I found was that I had a lot of childhood issues, uh, hence the drinking, the drugs, the depression, the suicidal thoughts, the, the actual uh, committing to it. Like I, I realized that there was a lot of um, unresolved childhood issues. And when I started to really look at those things and I started to look at my mom and look at my dad and understanding where those two came from and the things that were poured down to them, well, let me forgive them and give them the same grace that God would give me um, for the way that they raised me and the things that they did because they didn't know better. Now they may have never given their life to Christ or, or never tried to address those issues. Um, But 
but I was called to address those issues. Mm-hmm. And in, in, in the process of, of uh, all, you know, analyzing my, my um, childhood, I was able to really bestow forgiveness on my, my family. And then with that forgiveness, I was able to love my family for who they were. And um, that really started making significant changes in my life. Um, it really opened my eyes to a lot of stuff. And so, you know, I use, it's, you know, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a, a psychologist or a therapist by any means. Um, you know, I'm a man that's experienced a lot in life and I have an amazing relationship with God. And I found a passion of fitness because fitness carried me um, through my rehabilitation process and taught me a lot about myself, um, just like scripture did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my relationship with God. And I just want to share those things with other people and, and try to draw that out of them. And, you know, there's going to be those people that really don't need it. They're just here to work out. And that's cool too, man. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you just want to help in any way you can. You just want to be Christ on the people. So that's pretty much what kingdom fit is. Um, and this is just the inception of, of King kingdom fit. Eventually I want to get into a facility where, you know, you can still have that one-on-one time with people, but also do some, what, what they call group training and fitness, but you know, more like fellowship fitness. Like this is where we fellowship and, and, you know, um, and, and have mobile fitness where, you know, people will leave my facility to go train people at, at homes that can't leave their homes for whatever reason. Um, you know, to, to, to have Thanksgivings or Christmases or gift exchanges and, and um, toy drives and, you know, take bike rides and hikes and, you know, just do this stuff as a community and really build up people and build up communities. I, I truly believe that's what God has put on my heart is to really pour that love into people and, and get people connecting again. And, and so that's kind of more of like what I see going uh, on in the near future and, and the vision that the Lord has put on my heart for kingdom fit. There's so much there. And it's, it's really, and just hearing about the now, the, the kingdom fit now is impressive. Um, it, it, it's so important because the, the word teaches us that our body is a temple. Uh, we should be yes. good stewards of our bodies. So yes. you know, there's that aspect. But for me, as I'm hearing you talk, uh, I, I reflect back to some of these workout TV shows where they work people to exhaustion and not, not as a torture method. The biggest loser, the biggest loser, uh, the other shows where it's like, and and I know that those shows have a lot of issues and that a lot of, uh, yes. Uh, but the, the concept I'm trying to get to is just that when somebody gets to that point of, of exhaustion or, or fatigue, they no longer have the energy to put up the walls. And then there is your opportunity for ministries because, you know, as you're working on their body and they lose that energy to keep up the walls, now there's time for the seeds to be planted and for some of those deep issues that you mentioned to come out and be uh, discussed and, and a light brought to them because the darkness cannot exist in the light. So I think that's a, a really big uh, part of what your ministry is. It, it, would you agree or am I, oh, am I close? Oh, you, you know, absolutely. So, you know, what I found was uh, – um, you know, in the midst of exercise, you know, people get, uh, you know, dopamine's it's, it's flowing, right. You, you know, you're, you, you just, um, you're feeling good. Right. And, and when you feel good, 
you tend to open up about things. And uh, sometimes exercise will do that and, and complete exhaustion will, will, will do that for you too. Um, also building that trust factor within somebody like, you know, I'm not, I'm not a guy that sits behind a chair and I have this major degree and mm-hmm. I'm trying to analyze you. Um, I'm actually genuinely trying to be a, a, a brother to you uh, and a friend and a mentor. Um, this is what I'm genuinely trying to do. Um, and that's what I want to establish is, is be, being able to have a relationship um, so that you can talk about things. That it's a safe place, right? So you do have like the dopamine element of the, 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 the peak of the fitness and feeling really good. And then you also have the breakdown where, you know, people are going to open up in different places. Mm-hmm. For some people will take fatigue and some people will be like, man, I'm just flying high and I'm just going to tell you everything. Right. Um, so yeah, I, I would say that you're on track with that. So let's go back a little bit and talk about your journey uh, from uh, uh, the, you mentioned your, uh, you know, so the challenges in childhood and walk yeah. us from that to your finding faith and then just really discovering your faith when you're laying, you know, laying in the hospital after the, uh, the suicide attempt. So, um, very interesting how my faith really began. Um, you know, I was actually born to, so my, when I speak of my father, he's not my biological father. He's the man who raised me since I was six months old, but I, I call him dad. He's my dad. Um, so my, my mom, um, had me out of wedlock. Um, she was actually uh, encouraged to have an abortion and my mom didn't have an abortion. Six months later, she met my dad. Um, my dad got her pregnant, had my sister. And when I was about five years old, I came home with a, a diploma from kindergarten. And on that day, I was told, so my last name was different. My last name was his last name. And his mom, my, my grandma, um, never received me as one of them because I wasn't their blood. And mm-hmm. so my grandma instructed my father to um, change my last name. So then I was given my mom's maiden name. And I remember that conversation in kindergarten. And I remember walking down the street. And I, I didn't come from a religious family, man. Like my dad never talked about God. My mom, I know, I know that she had Catholic upbringing, but it wasn't something... Um, with her upbringing, it was more fear-based than it was relationship-based. It was rules-based. Um, so she didn't really impose any of that stuff on us when we were young. Um, so when I walked away from that situation, um, I just remember telling myself, it's okay because God's my father. Everything's going to be all right. And, you know, that had to have been the Holy Spirit uh, because I just don't know the fact that I even recollect it, like that just has to come from the Lord. Um, as time went on, you know, when, when that seed is planted, when you're that young, the division begins, right? Like, Oh, well, he's not my real dad. And this is not my real sister. And then you start seeing the difference in how we get treated. And, you know, the older I get, I, I start becoming rebellious. And, um, I think I got to a point where, there was so much fighting in my house so between my mom and my dad. There was heavy drug use, man. You know, I would walk in and my parents would be chopping up drugs and 
you know, calling it one thing when it was something else. And, you know, I, you know, I was an eighties kid for the most part, you know, I was born in 78, but, um, you know, when I was growing up, domestic violence, um, was much different than it is now. It's just like you beat up my mom, cops are called, you go to jail, uncle picks up dad, dad's still drunk and the, mm. the fight continues. Right. Um, there's no spending the night in jail, sobering up 52 week course. Right. Like there's, it just right. wasn't like that when I was growing up. And so there was a lot of that that went in my house, a lot of violence, a lot of fights, a lot of insecurities, a lot of drug use. Um, and that just continued all the way till mm-hmm. I got to high school. And then between eighth grade and high school, something changed, man. Like I just morphed. Um, I, I went from kind of this lowly kid in middle school, um, just flying low to almost becoming popular over overnight. Like I, I got into high school, my looks changed, my attitude changed. Um, freshman year, some junior, junior, senior, he was picking on me in medals class. And I think that I had so much hate and frustrated frustration built up inside of me. Like, man, I just took this dude out. Mm. Um, I just right in class, you know, but what that did was gave me, a whole different level of respect from these upperclassmen. And I, then I just realized like, you know, I'm, I'm a pretty, pretty tough dude. Um, so 15 start smoking weed, um, start getting into drinking, uh, start messing with, uh, I think 15, 16, start messing with acid. And I really loved the game of baseball. Baseball was my sport. I, I grew up with it, loved it, adored it. I went out for the baseball team you know, uh, coach upset me. I threw a baseball at, at his car and, and got kicked off the team. Um, I, I would, I would cause problems in class. I would just mouth off. I would I'd go to class, uh, drunk. My buddies and I would go get high, you know, and, and so my grades were bad. I wasn't doing anything. Um, I pretty much dropped out of high school as I never graduated high school. I was fortunate enough to meet some people that really cared about me. My, my best friend's family, they, they love me like their own. Um, but I had my own demons. I had my own issues. I had my own insecurities because I wanted a relationship with my mom and my dad, even though my dad wasn't my biological dad, I just wanted a relationship with my dad. I wanted him to love me and, and, and respect me. And I wanted a good relationship with my sister. And I wanted that bond a brother and sister should have that we never had an opportunity to have because it's just not what, our parents tried to create between us. Mm -hmm. Um, We ended up getting kicked out of the house. I mean, dude, when I was 17, 16, 17 years old, my dad had left the house to move in with his girlfriend. My mom was like a meth junkie. You know, she was hanging out with all these meth heads and, you know, we spent months without electricity in our house, without, uh, without food. We'd have to go look for it. Like, you know, my sister was doing meth and she was hanging with gangsters. And, you know, this was the lifestyle that we lived. Um, I was drinking and partying all the time. It was just chaotic. And when I was like 16 or 17 year old, years old, my, my mom thought it'd be a good idea for me to meet my biological father. And, um, you know, I come home from school excited because my dad's gone, right? So I'm going to meet this other guy who's actually my biological father. I show up and, and he's smoking the glass pipe. So, Again, it's just like huge disappointment. Right. Um, and, and that's my, my teenage years, huge disappointment with the exception of my friend's family. Um, but I was always seeking and yearning for something else. 
you know, I power through my twenties, you know, my twenties are such a blur, man, because of all the drugs. Then I got addicted to cocaine. I mean, that was a rough one. Um, I really, really enjoyed that, that, that drug. And, and then with that came more drinking and, um, eventually I met a young man that I worked with and he, um, started to talk to me about Jesus Christ. And, you know, I was kind of in that place where, yo man, like, that's cool. That may work for you, but that's just not for me. Like, you know, you don't get who I am, where I come from. None of that stuff. Like, you don't, you don't know me like that. Right. I mean, that's typical amongst everyone that kind of rejects Jesus. (laughs) And, um, and, uh, you know, at that same time, like I met a young woman and that young woman, um, you know, I, I knew right out the gate, it was just a bad, bad situation. And, and I'd got to a place in my life that these relationships, um, they almost had to get more chaotic, become more stimulating to me. It's kind of like being an alcoholic or a drug abuser. You know, you, you kind of need more cause you're trying to chase that first high type thing. Mm-hmm. And, and so I, so I was getting in these gnarly relationships. So I get in this gnarly relationship with this young lady and it gets, it gets physical, man. And we have to break up. And during our breakup, she starts going on Craigslist. So again, years ago on Craigslist, you can actually prostitute yourself on Craigslist. So she starts getting into the prostitution on Craigslist mm. and my, bu- my buddy tells me all about it. Well, in that time that we were broken up, that same guy that was preaching Jesus to me invited me to a Bible study. And at this time, man, I'm an alcoholic. I'm a drug addict. I don't have a job. I don't have my license. I don't really have much going for me outside of the fact that I lift weights. That's all was going for me. So, so I took the invite, showed up to the Bible study and, and received God that day. I received Jesus that day and um, great experience. We were in an air conditioned room. All of a sudden I start shaking and sweating. It was supernatural. What was going on? I knew it was something different. It was something very, very different. And, uh, you know, for a minute I was good, but what happened? She walks back into my life. Um, so what you're I, trying I, to say is just by, because as you accepted the Lord at that moment, that didn't remove the bullseye. The enemy was still going to come after you. Well, no, no, he, uh, he, it was, no, he, he, <laughs> he wanted me like, you know, I know he's not all knowing like the Lord, mm-hmm. but I think he had a feeling. <laughs> I right. think he just knew something or, you know, at the end of the day, day, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So um, I don't think he knew the plans that the Lord had for my life. Uh, it, but um, I'm sure there was a conversation that went down. And mm-hmm. the Lord's like, he's mine. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. Like, That's mine. You can't have him. Um, but, you know, I, I jumped back into this this relationship with this this young lady. So the agreement is this. You quit seeing all these guys and you know we'll work it out and so she she's just like well i committed to this last trip to hawaii i gotta go but this will be the last one and and i agreed with it and i said okay Mm. i mean yeah and i said okay so while she's over there she gives me a ring you know she's telling me all the things that he's doing to her um and sends me a picture of a black guy where, you know, he had hit her. So he had, he had raped her. He'd, he'd hit her. Mm. Yeah. He had done some stuff to her. And, um, when she came home, she came to pick me up at a friend's house and, uh, you know, I had been partying, you know, even though I had accepted the Lord, like 
I still struggled with the drugs. I still struggled with the alcohol. I was still so young in my faith. And um, she picks me up. We go to the liquor store, pick up some alcohol, back to her spot. Well, while we're there, we get into this conversation. And, you know, I'm full of torment at this point because we had got into a domestic situation. She had been escorting. Um, I had just received the Lord. And, and I'd been drinking that night. Like there was so much that was going on and um, she wanted to get intimate and I couldn't do it. And so I went downstairs. We argued. I went downstairs just to kind of uh, shake it all off and rest. And mm-hmm. uh, I kind of wake up to a banging on the door and it's the police and they're telling me to open up. And she comes down the stairs and I ask her what happened. And she looks at me and she says, I called the cops and I told them that, you raped me and that you tried to kill me. And in that moment, I was just completely devastated and totally betrayed. And, you know, um, in that, yeah, I, Mm. this for me was that, that perfect storm of events that could have happened because, you know, I collectively, my childhood, the drug, alcohol abuse, the depression, all of it leading into this moment. And I'm just like, well, this is it you know, this is it. I'm done. And I looked at her and I said, I just can't do this anymore. And I ran headfirst out of a window with all intent to kill myself. I just wanted to break my neck and end it all. And I jumped head head headfirst out of a three story loft. And, um, I busted through this closed window and clipped an awning on the way down and it changed my fall and broke me into pieces. And, you know, before you know it, I'm in the hospital and it's a 10 hour surgery. And, um, I wake up after that surgery with tubes coming out of my neck, you know, wires coming off my chest. I have a cast of one arm. I have an external yeah. fixator on another arm. I have a, um, a chest brace, uh, back brace, um, on, um, yeah, I'm highly medicated and the police show up and they're just like, you're under arrest for, for rape and attempted murder. <laughs> wow. And, uh, yeah. Um, and then they shackled me to the bed on top of it, man. Um, like I was some kind of flight risk, right? And, uh, <laughs> broken back, broken arms, all this. Yeah. Somehow you're going to get out. I yeah. think, you, I think you have been easy to catch at that point. <laughs> I wasn't going anywhere, man. I mean, I couldn't, I couldn't even sit, sit up. I couldn't sit up in the bed without being in immense pain. And, um, you know, one of the so I had 24 hour surveillance on me. So this one cop, he's just giving me a hard time. He's grilling me, and he's just like, "Mr. Decker, you're such a bad guy." And and um, you know, I'm reading the reports. You did some really bad stuff, and you know, I start to break down because first of all, these aren't things that I did. And uh, I, I started to explain to him, you know, I, I've done a lot of dumb stuff in my life, and I, I really had. I've done a lot of stupid stuff in my life. And I said, but that's just not one of those things. You know, that's just not something I would do. And, you know, uh, all I did was cared about that girl. And maybe I did it the wrong way, but I, I did what I knew. Mm. And um, I start to break down crying because it is just so overwhelming, you know, sure. just to hear, you know, and those are serious. Those are serious charges, man. And uh, you hear stories of stuff like that. And then it like finally happens to you. You're like, I'm the guy that says, oh, that would never happen to me. Right. Right. And it really happened to me. It really happened to me. And as he was, um, you know, grilling me, you know, the nurse comes in to calm me down because, you know, all the, the blood pressure and the heart rate monitors are flying off the Richter. 
And um, as she's leaving, guess who walks in? The you're, young lady. Mm. Yeah. So your in. accuser comes in to see the damage that she's done, basically. Yeah, I guess she came to bring a restraining order. That's what she came to do. But uh, so she says. So um, so that's what the cop told me. So the cop the cop looks at her and he goes, "Do I? Is that who I think it is?" And she had just got her hair done and she was wearing sunglasses. Like she was concealing her identity in a sense. Um, and she shows up with her sister and um, he asks, he escorts her out and, and, you know, he comes to me and he's just like, you know, for someone who'd been through all that, that just doesn't make sense. Um, you know, of course I agree. Mm-hmm. And later that night, you know, I'm laying there in bed. And if you've ever been in a hospital bed or in a hospital, like there's constant traffic, there's lights, the intercoms constantly going off. You know, I'm, I'm hearing my breathing machine, you know, the heart rate monitor, like everything, you know, you're hearing all the chaos and I'm laying in bed and, and I'm just talking to God and I'm just like, like, Lord, what do we do? What are we going to do from here? And all of a sudden, man, I just get this overwhelming peaceful sensation that just, just topples me from head to toe and for a moment things just stopped and everything got still and there was no pain and it was peaceful Mm. and i hear this voice and he says the charges will be dropped your bills will be paid and you will walk again and i doze I, i doze off or i have a vision of me playing soccer and um which i wasn't a soccer player by any means but um but I do, doze off and I wake up and I wake up to the police and the chaos and the lights and the noises. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and all the pain is back. Well, a few days goes by and the cops come in and they're like, we're dropping the charges. Wow. Um, yeah. So they dropped the charges at that moment. I was allowed to have guests because I was no longer um, a inmate of the County. Right. Right. So, so, you know, my mom shows up and my mom's, my mom's, you know, bawling her eyes out. And I'm already, I know, I know exactly what the, the doctors told her. I saw her out there talking to him and she walks in and, you know, what's going on, mom? You know, she's just like, nothing, nothing. What are they saying? You know, nothing. I'm like, and I know, and I'm like, you know what they say, mom? She's, they say, you're never going to walk again. And, um, you know, she comes up to me. And in, in the most, and my mom and I had, you know, my mom, she came from her childhood. She was the oldest of five and she was raped and she was beaten and she was kicked out of her house at a very young age. You know, she had a, a, a child because she wanted to love something and she wanted something to love her back, man. Cause she just didn't have that. So here, 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 29 years later, she's looking at her baby boy laying in bed shattered broken to pieces and uh, my mom says this and, and i took this with them it's gonna sound crazy but I, I took this as a mother's love you know she looks at me and she says i wish everything had ended for you that day she just didn't my mom didn't want to see me suffer and she didn't want to suffer mm. you know um and i and i, I never i just re- i received that as love man and Shortly after that, the nurses walk in the room and they're just, Mr. Decker, we're going to try to get you to stand up. And I knew for a fact there was no standing up because I couldn't even sit up. 
But what I did know was that my mom was there. I had to give her hope. Um, God had already spoke to me and, and, you know, thoughts of Jesus, you know, just flooded my mind. Thoughts of Isaiah 53, uh, thoughts of, of the movie Passion of Christ, like all this overwhelmed me. And, and I just felt like I had to at least try. I had to at least try to get on my feet. And so the nurses tried to wrench me out of bed and I squealed like a pig, man. And um, they had to inject me with pain medication, laid me down and said, yeah, it ain't happening. Shortly after that, a surgeon walks in and says, hey, we're going to perform another surgery, see if we can get this. And um, a few days pass, whatever, and, and uh, they perform another surgery. And even going into that surgery, you're, you're signing documents, you're signing paperwork that say that there's an increase of certain nerve, nerve damage or uh, paralysis, um, death. Like, you know, you're reading it, but I had this overwhelming piece, like, I, you know, it's going to be cool. And, um, you know, I, I wake up and nurses come in a couple of days after my surgery and they get me on my feet and, and I was able to drag my left foot. And I, mm. and, 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 and I knew, I knew that I was going to be able to, I didn't, okay. I couldn't really vision it because of how jacked up I was, <laughs> but I just knew I was going to be able to be active again, that I was going to be able to walk and run and do all those things. Um, I didn't know how, but I just knew. And, um, yeah, that started my rehabilitation process right there. I ended up moving in with my mother. And in that process, I fell in love with my mom. You know, I really got to see who she was, uh, the demons that, that were chasing her. Um, you know, I was highly medicated when I stayed with my mom and she would steal my medication and feed. Mm. She would trade, she would trade me alcohol. So, but you know, God showed me something about my mom. And I remember her coming home one day, man. And just, I broke down crying, telling my mom how much I love her because I think I just realized all the torment she had been through. And here she is trying to take care of her adult son who attempted suicide, you know? Um, and over the next couple of years, you know, I went from place to place, just trying to get a little bit better. And I finally ended up at my best friend's house. And, um, and uh, after a final surgery, so the first two surgeries, after the second surgery, I was able to walk. But the third surgery, because um, my bones weren't fusing, I was collapsing. And they were concerned that long term that I was going to lose my ability to use max capacity of my lungs. And so they had to come in and basically try to fuse half my spine together, put rods and, um, and, and screws and try to get me upright because I was leaning forward. And, uh, after that surgery, my best friend shows up at the, at the, um, hotel that I was at, I was taken to a hotel cause I had nowhere to stay. I couldn't live with my mom because of the pain medication situation. And, uh, and, uh, I stayed there and, you know, slowly but surely, you know, I started getting out and I started moving and I was reading my Bible and I was praying every day and I was asking the Lord to take me off the pain medications and all the drugs. And one day my buddy, another buddy shows up and he had just come to Christ himself. And, um, he knew that I was a pre a, a trainer previously. And he, mm -hmm. he asked me to, to, um, train him at the gym. Just, just train me, man. So we go to the gym and I touch weights with him. And then all of a sudden I'm like, maybe I should just start lifting weights again. This feels great. And, um, when I went in the hospital, 
I was 215 pounds. I mean, I look like a, a, a linebacker. Um, in the three, in the first three weeks of my hospital stay, I dropped down to about 165 pounds. So I lost 50 pounds of, of weight within three weeks. And so I got really frail. So I went from this big muscular guy to this really frail guy. And when I started lifting weights again, I went from 165 all the way up to 185. So the next time I see my neurosurgeon, he's baffled. He has no idea what's going on. And I'm reading the word and I'm lifting weights and I'm trying to share Jesus with my Jewish doctor, man. <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's, you know, you know, his stance is like, Jesus was a great guy. He was a good teacher, an extraordinary man. But you know, like that was his perspective, but you know, I was giving glory to Jesus and, and, um, you know, uh, I continued to, to lift weights. And then at one point the Lord was basically like, well, you have to get off a of disability. Like I didn't, I didn't put you back together for you to live off the government. So I'm like, Oh, now I got to go get a job. <laughs> and so, so, so now I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to go get a job at a personal trainer at this brand new facility that just opened up. Um, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to use my story and my experiences. Um, because at this point I'm getting stronger again and I look fit and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to help people. That's what I'm going to do. Um, within the first couple weeks there, my manager introduced me to one of the sales girls. The sales girl was actually her roommate. She's just like, well, you need to go train with Rob, see what kind of trainer is and, and give me feedback. Um, I'm now married to that woman, you know, wow. um, shortly after. Yeah. I'm married to Alyssa and shortly after her and I connected, we both lost our jobs there. And I ended up getting a better job um, opening up a gym, just sales part of it, just selling an unopened gym. And uh, um, we're going really great. But I still struggled with alcohol. Mm. Um, it was just something I, I ran to. You know, I wasn't mm. running, running to God in certain situations. You know, she, she wanted to move back home. I was, we were living in Northern California. I'm from San Jose. And she's from Southern California in Torrance. And she wanted to go back home anyway. She wanted to move back down south. And, but I had this great job making great money. And um, things were going pretty good, but I was struggling with alcohol. And it was like the big problem in our relationship. And I knew it was going to be a big problem in our relationship because our very first date, I bought a pitcher of beer. And she's just like, I don't want any of that. And I'm like, cool, because I'll drink it all. And, you know, like, <laughs> we're good, you know. And, and she goes, I don't like that. And all these prayers of, God take alcohol out of my life in that moment. I'm like, Oh, here it is. This is how you're going to get alcohol out of my life right here through a woman. Okay, Lord, I got you. And, um, unfortunately the type of an event that took place wasn't ideal, but, um, I ended up taking her car while she was at work and I went to go help a friend move and I went and bought a, a bottle of alcohol and, um, I was drinking and I went to go pick her up. Well, I ended up crashing into someone's uh, fence uh, running into their front yard. And, you know, God's grace is amazing because I didn't hurt anybody. I didn't, you know, I, I, I didn't hurt myself. I didn't hurt anybody. But in that moment I fled, I fled the scene of the crime mm. running into a Creek and I'm wet. It's cold, you know, and, Here's the crazy part, man. I attempted suicide and I broke my bones. And here I am, like almost off of all my medication. 
I'm working full time now. I got a beautiful young woman in my life. Like my life is coming together again after what I did. I tried to take away God's creation and he's just like, nah, I'm not having it. Right. And, 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 and here I am goofing off and, and still drinking and struggling with the alcohol. And I was under that house and I pled with the Lord, man. I, I was just like, you know, Lord, I deserve consequences. I deserve to lose my job. I deserve to go to jail. I deserve the, you know, the legal troubles. I deserve to lose Alyssa. I deserve these things. But if you bail me out, Lord, if you bail me out, I will, I will quit my job and move to Southern California with Alyssa. I will marry her and I will quit drinking. If this is your will for my life, that's, that's the commitment I, I make to you. Um, I ended up getting a slap on the wrist when they, when they found the alcohol in the car, somehow it ended up in the trunk in the Tupperware um, box. It wasn't floating around in the car. So somehow I had the, the smarts or whatever to, to put it away. Um, but the Lord, after that, that event, um, I never had the desire to drink again. And I prayed and prayed for God to deliver me from alcohol. And even though it was kind of like a really uh, I don't know, intense event, uh, he knew what it was once again going to take for me to quit. And so, you know, from that point on, I was able to grow a lot more spiritually because I wasn't drowning myself with any of that alcohol. And so when I look at my life in Northern California, where I had my last drink, I was born and raised there. I was born and raised in the Bay and I drug and alcohol addicted and severe depression. And I was diagnosed with bipolar and AD, ADHD and all this crazy stuff, right? Like mm -hmm. all these, all these ailments, right. And diseases, I guess, um, some, some institutions would call that stuff. And, um, I moved to Southern California and then I got to start to grow as a man. And, um, you know, I think a good woman will expose some stuff. You know, a wife will expose some stuff and make you work on some things. And, you know, um, that was the next chapter. So that's a good point to step in. A new chapter, much like with each of us. God wasn't through writing the story of Rob Decker at that point. And there's a lot more to come. It's such an amazing story. I was really blessed to talk to Rob. Be sure to visit robdeckerspeaks.com to find out more about him, about his ministry. Uh, he's got a book out as well as Kingdom Fit, which is his uh, new training venture uh, using fitness as a way to reach people with the gospel. It's really exciting things. So be sure to visit robdeckerspeaks.com. Uh, the link and all that information is also in the show notes. Now, at the beginning of the show, we talked about Comedy Night at CPC on Friday, August 16th, 7.30 p.m. It's acting as a fundraiser for the outreach that is PureFest, Chicago's faith-based improv and sketch festival. We have, as of this recording, seven confirmed acts coming into Chicago and to be part of the second annual PureFest Christian Improv and Sketch Festival. 
Uh, we have uh, my team's Well Verse Comedy, as well as Matrimony. We also have Milwaukee's Alan Atwood coming down to represent Morningstar Productions Theater. Our headlining act is from Knoxville, Tennessee. That's Austin and Lip Presents. They're currently on tour throughout the South and uh, Southeast. And they've even got a tour set up for Australia. So they're not only a national team, they're an international team. And we're just uh, really blessed to have them come up. Now this week we also announced the addition of three college teams. From Concordia University of Chicago, they have a drama ministry team called Decapolis. And then they have an improv team called The Unprofessionals. So both of them will be coming from Concordia University Chicago. And then also coming from Tennessee, from Cleveland, Tennessee, the Kingdom Players from Lee University. So we're really excited to have two colleges coming up, three new teams, adding our total to seven confirmed acts for PureFest. It's going to be a great afternoon. So please mark your calendars. If you're anywhere in the Chicago area or you don't mind a trip to Chicago in late September, come on up September 28th for PureFest. Uh, it's Saturday, September 28th, starting at 1 p.m. at Cross Point Church in Lockport, Illinois. Now we're looking for folks that want a great afternoon of theater that will engage all ages because it's for the families for everybody it's for men women children and everything in between it's gonna be really a fun afternoon so we're looking for you if you want to buy tickets and make a contribution by buying a ticket we'd love it we're not going to turn anybody away the suggested donation is ten dollars at the door for pure fest now we are also looking for vendors we have some vendor tables available so if you're a business we have vendor tables find out more and get your tickets at purefest.org or if you're a vendor that would like to set up a table, email me, dave at purefest.org. Dave at purefest.org. The website is purefest.org for more. Now we'll return with more of our interview with Rob Decker in just a moment on the Gifts for Glory podcast, where we celebrate and promote men and women of God that use their gifts, passions, desires, and talents to honor and glorify God. had a son and then um we just on our honeymoon um we we went to colorado to we didn't want to do the hawaii thing we didn't want to do the go hang out on the beach for your honeymoon thing we're fitness people we're like we're gonna go play in some mountains and hang out in some mud and you know and and that's what we're gonna do so we chose colorado and we, we landed in colorado springs fell madly in love with it and the lord pressed on my wife's heart that you know, um, this is where you guys are going to move. So my wife committed to a, a month and a year. Um, and by the time that, that happened, we had our first son. Our car was paid off. Most of our debt was paid off. When I met my wife, I was 40000 in debt. Like, she went Dave Ramsey on it, man. <laughs> <laughs> my, my wife is brilliant. She, she uh, yeah, you know, this amazing nice. woman. And, and so my wife's 12 years younger than me. So here I am, 33 years old, when I met her with with – a busted back and, and child support and all, all sorts of crazy stuff. Right. Uh, all this debt. And she wants to work on with it with me because she believes with all of her heart that we're supposed to be together. And so within, um, you know, within this, this few year period, we were able to clear all that and we moved out to Colorado Springs and, um, I was able to get a job at, uh, you know, corporate gym build a clientele there, get to meet some really amazing people. So I've been in Colorado Springs for about less than a year. August 25th will be one year. 
And in that time, God has made some very amazing connections here. And, um, you know, Kingdom Fit has an opportunity to really do some good in this community. Uh, what I what I learned being here, what we found to be a very beautiful place to move to, God had different plans. Like, yeah, it's a beautiful place, but I'm going to tell you now that it has a high suicide rate amongst teens. It has a very big drug problem. You know, um, you have a lot of veterans in this area that are disabled and on pain medication, right? And uh, those are the people that he wants me working with. And so within the short period of time, I was able to build a clientele and create a kingdom fit out of my house. And, you know, and we're two weeks away from having a daughter, man. Um, wow. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. So, you know, God's done some amazing work. And here's the crazy part. Like, we could talk about this stuff for days because I got stories for days, man. I got, you know, it, my life's a big, fat, juicy onion, and it just goes layer, <laughs> layer. Like, um, it tastes a lot better, but <laughs> it's, um, but yeah, there's just so much. And, and God's done amazing stuff. And now, now, you know, he's using my gifts, you know, to really help people where in the past I, I had this gift. I could connect to people really well. I was a really great salesman in my whole life. Um, but I used it for my advantage. I used it for my good. I used it to, to survive in my little world. And uh, those were gifts that God gave me and I used them for me. And now those same gifts, um, God just anoints and, and just allows me to um, really connect with people and, 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 and work with them and help them. And um, I only see amazing things um, in the upcoming years here in the Springs and the community that we're going to grow and change and develop. And um, But that's all the Lord, man. You know, I just, oh, yeah. I just show up and, and just try to be obedient um, to his wishes. Yeah, it, it, it's it, dude. It's just, it's an incredible story. And as you're talking, I'm just in my mind, I'm, you know, trying to keep a tally of the times that you can look at your life and see where God stepped in and saved your life. Um, you mentioned earlier in your story that your mom was, had received some pressure to have an abortion. Correct. And there, you know, right away, even before you take your first breath, yes, the Lord's already working to make sure that you make it. And then, yes. you know, throughout the drug abuse or through the drugs, mm -hmm. the abuse, everything you went through in your teen and college years, constantly God is there dispatching his angels to keep you because he has this purpose for you. Yes. And, and then, of course, you know, the big one jumping out the window and, and putting that awning in place so that you would land in a way where he could ground you, get you in a place where you, you and he could just do business for a few months. And then then he could start to rebuild your life. It's just it's an amazing story. Well, he, well, thank you. It's, it's his story. I just, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm, I'm there to live it. And, and, you know, I really believe that I had to see breaking my back to me is the greatest thing that ever happened to me because it, it really allowed me to develop a relationship with God. And, um, but even on a grander scale, like I deal with people that have bad backs, right? I have hardware in my back. And so I can relate on that level. I'm not this, um, you know, this kinesiology major out of a, a big school that played athletics and never got hurt. You know, I'm this guy that's been broken down and, and, and I believe that I needed, I was so part of the world, man. Like, you know, I was going to clubs, VIP, getting free drugs. Like God had to like physically allow me to be broken 
to get to my spirit, to break that even more and be like, you're, you're counting on me, you're leaning on me and we're doing this together. Like he had to strip me from that world and build me from the inside out because, you know, I was a fitness guy and, and I cared about the aesthetics and how I looked and, and the image, right? And it was empty. You know, one of the most craziest things was all those people that called you, called them your friends. You know how many of those guys showed up to the hospital? You know, all those guys that we partied together and, you know, and the people that you least likely thought would show up, man, showed up to the hospital. Mm -hmm. You know, um, that's just how that all works. But, you know, I believe God had to, had to uh, really allow me to be broken physically um, to really work on my heart and, um, and uh, that's, but, but I needed that experience because I couldn't do what I do today with the pe with people if I didn't experience that because when people come to me with their stories and their past and their childhood and their relationship with their parents or relationships with their spouses or, you know, uh, whatever it may be, you know, I can easily connect to that experience and, and make it emotional because a lot of times when people speak with me, like I, I, I relate. I, I, I like, I feel what they're feeling because I felt it before. Um, and so I'm very, and as crazy as it sounds, I'm very grateful for all the abuse, getting through the drugs and the alcohol, getting off all that stuff. Um, all of it, man. And, and I do believe in the healing um, powers of God. You know, I, I believe in deliverance. I believe in healing. Um, you know, I, I believe there's things that he, he does that no therapist or psychologist or doctor can do. And, and I know that he uses those people to help people. Um, but it, it, he just, he can just do so much more, man. Mm. And, uh, and I know that, and I know that because I've, I've been through it. So, um, but I did want to, you know, touch, you know, my mom, my mom has been sober for a couple years. Um, you know, I want to clear mom, <laughs> um, yeah. you, you know, she, you know, she's found the Lord and I'm very grateful for that. Um, which means a lot to me because I love my mom with all my heart. My dad, I just recently lost my father to mm. uh, met methamphetamine overdose. Um, and what gets me through the loss of my father is just knowing that Jesus is so great that in my dad's final moments, Christ looked at my father and was just like, you ready to come home? You ready to accept me? You ready to come home? And that's what gives me peace. I prayed for my father a lot. And I, you know, my hope is that Jesus showed up in his final breath and, um, you know, just grabbed my father up in his arms and, and took him home. You know, and, and my sister, you know, uh, she still struggles. When, when we lost our father, um, she went back to, to self-medicating. And mm -hmm. so, uh, so it still happens in my family. You know, I just lost an uncle to drugs and alcohol, got into an accident. My mom's brother, my, my mom's um, husband um, died from drinking and so a lot of this stuff when it comes to drugs and alcohol and being delivered from it and, and it being so close to me and losing a lot of loved ones. I lost a buddy at 30, he's 37 years old, just had a baby alcohol and, and pain medication took him out, you know, um, mm. you know, so this stuff is close to my heart and that's why I'm on this mission to use fitness 
to get to the hearts of people that struggle with the drugs and the alcohol and the abuse. And, um, because man, I still live it, right. I still live it seeing the things that are going on around me with the, the people that I'm close to. It's, it's always something, you know, uh, like you said, you know, the enemy is not nearly as powerful or as all knowing as God, but he does know how to get you. And usually when he knows that he can't get you directly, he goes after the family. And, and so, uh, you know, definitely want to encourage all of our listeners that, that pray, continue to pray for your family, pray for your sister, especially that you would, you know, find a peace that doesn't involve self-medication. Um, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, and only the mighty Lord can do that. I know that, you know, he, he healed me of a lot of my childhood stuff, you know, and he showed me certain things and, you know, I got it, you know, ah, that's why I do this or why I did that. And, and, um, you know, once I started addressing all that stuff, I mean, really there was no need for the self-medication. It's like, ah, I get, I mean, so revealing and forgiveness, like forgiving my everybody, you know, um, that I felt offended me or hurt me, um, or did me wrong, you know, um, they're inflicted themselves, man, you know, mm-hmm. they, they're, you know, and then that just kind of gets passed on to other people. And so, you know, my, another goal of mine is I have a two and a half year old son that, um, you know, I want to raise and, and I want to give him everything that I didn't have. I want to do things for him that weren't done for me. Um, I don't, I'm not upset at my father for the things he didn't do. Um, he just knew what he knew. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, just to be able to go throw a baseball with my kid, you know, to be able to play catch with my kid, to, to encourage him to do those kind of things. Um, those things that I wanted from my father, now I get to do with my son, you know. And that's important. Being a father and a, and a husband is very important to me as well. Outstanding. Now, do you have any physical, like, is there any residual effects from the life that you lived, including the injuries or, or has that been completely healed? How, how are you doing physically? Um, are you sure you don't want to ask me if like the metal detector goes off when I go to the airport? And, and sure <laughs> that's usually, that's usually everybody's go-to man. <laughs> <laughs> so the answer is no. Um, no. Um, here's the thing. Um, you know, I don't have a natural spine anymore. Like that curve that everyone should have in their lower back is now flat for me. Mm-hmm. So it changes everything. So it changes the position of my sh- hips and it ch- position the ch- uh, changes the position of my shoulders. But through constant training and rehabilitation, I've been able to correct that as best as it can get. And at 41 years old, I still play competitive softball. I play center field. So, um, you know, I bat third in the lineup and, and I play center field. So not too shabby. Right. Right. And, um, so I can still perform on a pretty high level. Um, as far as pain is concerned, you know, you know, if I go play a softball tournament, five games, I'm pretty trash, but most people would be, um, you know, if I lift too heavy, if, you know, if, if I'm lifting too much without any recovery or self care, um, my, my back will hurt. My hips will hurt. Um, but you know, I don't have to take pain medication. I, there's a reminder, there's a reminder there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wouldn't say that I'm disabled or, or like, I don't need to take medication. I'm, I'm sure there's people with healthy bodies that feel more pain than I do. So I, I wouldn't say there's too much, 
Um, but I'm reminded that it's there. I'm reminded sure. that it's there for sure. I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, you know, I'm sure you saw the video and uh, if you go on the website, like you can pull up my actual x-rays. And so you'll see the amount of hardware that is uh, in my spine. I mean, half of it is consumed with screws and rods and cages. Um, it baffles x-ray technicians. It, it baffles doctors when they see my x-rays. Like, how is it that you move the way that you move without medication with all this hardware in your body? And, um, you know, that's just God. That's, that's God. And, mm-hmm. and, and, you know, I'm responsible for my temple. I think that's kind of how you started all this too, is we're talking about our temples and, um, you know, I'm just trying to honor my temple as much as I can. I mean, it's the only body that I have. And so, um, taking good care of it is what's going to give me longevity. And at 41 years old and having a two and a half year old son that I want to play sports. And if that's what he chooses to do, like, I'm going to have to go out there and throw the ball with him and hit and, and, and run around with him. And, you know, I'm going to partake in a lot of that stuff. And when my daughter gets here, I'm very similar stuff. And so I have to be healthy and move well and take care of myself. And so being a little bit older as a father and having such young kids with the type of aspiration that I have for them, you know, I have to take really good care of my body. Awesome. Well, Rob, uh, it's, it's, uh, I just can't say enough how, how impressed of a story I am with your story. And, and I just hope that anybody that listens can see that, that no matter how bad you start, God can help you finish well. Um, and even if you falter after you start off with the Lord, even if you accept the Lord and, and then you fall right back off the wagon, there's still hope there. And I think that the hope and how God can use all things like in the story of Joseph, in your story, and he used all things for the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purposes, that there's always hope as long as you can turn back to God and just trust him. Say, God, here's the broken pieces. You've got the glue. You can put it together better than I could ever imagine. So it's it's such a story of hope and of uh, just amazing grace. And I'm just really... Um, I'm really blessed by the fact that you're able to share that and you're willing to share that on our podcast today. Well, yeah, thank you. Well, thank you for having me, man. And and thank you for responding to my request. And um, I do, I just, I love sharing my story because to me, it's just sharing God. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, to me, it is the gospel, you know, it's, it's the gospel. It's, it's, it's his healing works and redemptive works and, and his love for his people. And, you know, sometimes bad things happen to good people and like the enemy's real, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, but at the end of the day, like, I know that my God loves me a lot and, um, you know, just to, to trust in him in in those times that just seem like there's no hope, like, you know what there is, there Mm -hmm. is. And, And so if I can leave anyone with anything, like, there should be no such thing as hopelessness as long as you have God, as long as you can, you know that there's a father that loves you. And even in the midst of your pain and agony and and trouble, like a lot of times that's just a season, you know, and and you got to keep your eyes on Christ. Mm. I know that like Peter on the water, like the moment my eyes come off of him, I start drowning, you know, and I start getting caught by that storm. Um, And, 
you know, you just got to keep your eyes on the Lord. You just, you, you, you have to. And, and like I said, even in the midst of tribulation, like you're going to walk away from tribulation and you're going to look back at it. And like, there was something to be learned in that tribulation. I think, um, I know that you've got to go, but you know, when I, when I, I, I look at the abilities of God and, and how uh, he heals people, I know that moment when I hit the ground and I broke my back, that the mighty Lord could have put his hand on me and just healed everything. Nothing's broken. Everything's good, right? Mm-hmm. But there was so much work that had to be done on me that I had to walk through this painful process of sleepless nights and crying and struggling and rehabilitation. And, you know, you know, I look back on it. It was all part of the ride, man. It was all mm-hmm. part of the journey. and It was all part of the teaching process. Um, I just hope that most people aren't as stubborn as I am. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, okay, so if I'm going to leave you with anything, just don't be as stubborn as Rob Decker. Please just don't. <laughs> I mean, it's turned out okay. <laughs> it's, you know, it's not a, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Very good. Well, Rob, one of the things that I do uh, on the podcast is I end it with what I call the interrogation. I come up with seven quick questions. Oh, uh, just to kind of uh, get your quick first response. Uh, most of them are pretty lighthearted. Some uh, might be challenging, but uh, we just okay. want to see, uh, you know, see what the quick answer might be. So uh, the first question on the interrogation is, what's your favorite movie of all time? Oh, Shawshank Redemption. Nice. Uh, what's the hardest exercise that you try to teach and that you enjoy doing? The hardest that I actually try to teach I think just teaching a uh, a deadlift um, is most people don't move well um, enough to execute it properly, and it's the hex bar deadlift is hands down my favorite movie uh, movie uh, movement because it's very functional, it's practical. We we use that movement in everyday life, and so um, getting people to commit to it and do it properly is is a challenge because most people don't have uh, the movement in their hips to do it properly nice all right getting serious here um looking back what's your biggest regret biggest regret um man dude you know it's tough i don't know if i i have any any regrets um you know i guess i regret not um Man, that's tough, bro. Um, you know, I, I regret the way I treated some people in life. Um, I, I treated really good people poorly when they were only trying to do what's best for me. So um, that's a regret. All right. Does that and, count? Is that yeah. fair? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh. Okay. I just I didn't want to I wanted to let it sit for just a second because you know that's a pretty deep question there. Um, so uh, next question number four is uh, I know that you uh, you said that you had a vision while you're in a hospital playing soccer and you said baseball oh. is your, your sport. What's your favorite sport now to play? Oh, softball. So softball. you know I I still play competitive softball. Um, on that vision though, really quick, I didn't play soccer, but uh, it turns out my wife was a soccer player and she's pretty awesome, by the way. Um, just want to give you the heads up there. 
I watched her score three goals on the dudes, which was pretty impressive. And in that moment, I knew I had to make babies with that woman. So I'm like, <laughs> we're going to have some athletic children. But I think too, in that vision, because I never expressed um, what God was showing me in that vision was that um, I was going to be extremely active again. So, you know, I, I think, you know, it was a multifaceted vision, but I had to touch on that because I, I didn't really get to expand on that. Sure. So it is prophetic in that you're going to be active, but you're also going to have soccer in your life because of, of who your wife is. Correct. Very nice. All right. All right. Uh, question number uh, five is uh, your biggest fear right now. Uh, well, my biggest fear is um, not trusting in God and his process and his ways. So my biggest fear is like just me, me getting in the way of, of me. That's my biggest fear. Like when I'm focused on him, I know everything is just going to be amazing. But my, my biggest fear is that I get in the way of all that stuff. So if you have to do something, if you had to do anything other than fitness to make a living and support your family, what would you want to do? Um, I would probably, if it had to be something, I would have to work with people on some level. Um, I do speak sometimes and I hate speaking with a passion in front of <laughs> large crowds of people. Um, but if, if my story changed people and I could make a living off of it, I would probably do that. Perfect. I think. All right. Final question. Um, who would you most like to work with uh, in the world of fitness and try to glean different uh, techniques and things from? Wow. That's a pretty, uh, man, I, I don't know if there's anyone in fitness that I um, truly look up to i mean i i always respected kobe bryant's work ethic um his mindset toward all that stuff i mean i, I think michael jordan had a, a similar mindset um as far as like my fitness industry um you know what i you know if you could bring jack lane back you know I would, i'd hang out with that guy nice. um he, he lived a very long time and he uh he did some things that most humans would never do. Right. <laughs> and he did that. He did that at an old age and, and man, he could sure juice some vegetables, man. So <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I think and in the fitness industry, it would probably be, it would probably be him. The second coming of Jack <laughs> Mullane. <laughs> uh, I don't know if that's blasphemous on some level. Or <laughs> Well, if he knew the Lord, he, he, he'll he return when Christ returns. So, For sure. So, so. Yeah. Uh, Well, Rob, that concludes the interrogation. And uh, I really, again, just appreciate uh, uh, your testimony, your story, and just the story of redemption, the story of hope, the story of how God can work with anything as long as you give it to him and let him pick up the broken pieces. And uh, it's a story that needs to be told and i'm glad that we're able to tell it on, on my podcast and and just continue to encourage you to share it with any any opportunity that you can oh and i and i will and i mean if if you connect with anyone where you feel like it will be beneficial to them send them my way and i'll be more than happy to 
to share with with them as well so awesome well rob decker of robdeckerspeaks.com um and i will give you our uh, final word as we wrap up anything you want to share uh, with our audience on your way out well, i think i did a whole lot of talking i think <laughs> i think i'm pretty good so you know I, <laughs> so yeah i think i'm good <laughs> all right very good well rob decker thank you so much for uh, joining us on the gifts report podcast uh Wish you guys all the best, and uh, congratulations on the uh, new baby girl coming. Thanks, my brother, man. I really appreciate you, and, and, and thank you again so much. So that was our interview with Rob Decker. Find him at robdeckerspeaks.com. That's all one word, robdeckerspeaks.com. He's available to share his testimony with your church, your youth groups. Uh, he's also available if you are a podcaster or a radio host happen to listen to our podcast. Uh, he is also available to speak on your show as well. He would love to continue to tell his testimony as he heard throughout uh, the interview there. And also be sure to check out, if you're, especially if you're in the Colorado Springs area, uh, he's ready to help you get fit physically and spiritually with Kingdom Fit. Kingdom Fit, F-I-T meaning Faith in Training. I'm uh, just really thankful to have Rob on this week. And we'll be back next week with another great guest as we continue the Gifts of Glory podcast where we celebrate and promote men and women of God that use their gifts, passions, desires, and talents to honor and glorify God. Talk to you next time. It's a great time to get a great deal on a new car when you get approved for an auto loan from PenFed. Our powered by True Car rates are as low as 1.39% APR on new vehicles. Finance for a longer term to lower your monthly bill. Plus, take up to 60 days to schedule your first payment. Join PenFed and together we'll keep you moving forward. Anyone can apply. Visit penfed.org/auto or call 1-800-247-5626. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA.